This is the Stuff You Missed, Best of 99.9 The Fan Podcast, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now, here is your host for the Stuff You Missed Podcast, Dennis Cox. On today's show, more reaction to the Carolina Panthers' 30-27 loss to the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday. Joe Giglio of the News and Observer, as well as Will Brinson of CBS Sports, were on with Sports Channel 8, the radio show. Joe Person of The Athletic on with David Glenn. And Lauren Brownlow, WREL sports fan, on with Adam and Joe. Adam and Joe heard from 3 to 6.30 here on The Fan give their reactions to the Houston Texans nearly winning Monday Night Football's contest against the New Orleans Saints. You're not allowed to roughing run into the, the kicker. kicker you cannot not touch, allowed to do that. You cannot do that. <laughs> that is by rule. Okay. Yeah. There is no gray area. See if we have the same reaction. Okay. We had the same reaction. And my reaction was, yes. Well, eat it, Saints. Okay. Because I wanted them to get screwed by the officials, and I wanted them to whine well, they about wouldn't the officials. Be screwed by the officials. Well, they weren't screwed by the officials. They were screwed by the officials earlier. Yeah, before the half, which right. I want to get to in a second. But in that moment, in that moment, I wanted them to lose a game based on an actual rule that was executed properly. And then uh, I think Lauren Brownlow uh, tweeted out, "Sue that." <laughs> I, I saw right? that. Sue that. I, I did see that. Adam Gold shared his feelings on last night's game. Do you remember the first time you realized you were in love? Uh, yeah. You remember how it felt? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's it's almost it's like it's like a tingle mm-hmm. that spreads out from the middle of you all the way out. Bubble guts. That's how I felt when the Saints roughed the kicker. That's <laughs> how I felt. A state of euphoria. It was un not quite the HBO show, uh, but it was Wait. an unbelievable feeling. Adam and Joe also described the feeling of being let down last night. Yeah. So that's how I felt. Yeah, man, who did it? When it was 27-27 and they ran into the kicker, after, and then it was 28-27, and then Bill O'Brien broke my heart. All the whining. After all the whining of the offseason for what happened in the NFC Championship game, it was like, yes, yeah. chef's kiss. Bill O'Brien told me, sorry, I have a girlfriend. I ha- right? <sighs> I have a boyfriend, right? When, when you think you're in love, yeah. you have that feeling, and then... I'm seeing somebody. That's what Bill O'Brien did to me. What the hell was that? Sticking with the NFL, senior NFL writer for CBS Sports, Will Brinson, was on with the Sports Channel 8 radio crew. They discussed the Carolina Panthers and the use of Christian McCaffrey. And Will Brinson brings up how the Carolina Panthers have stated they don't want to overuse Christian McCaffrey, but week one looked very similar to last season. One of the things the Panthers are doing that is, like, I don't understand. They've done it for three or four years now. So you're like, listen, here's what we're doing. We're going to reduce Christian McCaffrey snaps. It's like, oh, yeah, that's great. Panthers can reduce the snaps. And you're like, well, the only guy you have on the depth chart is Cameron Artis Payne. And then this year they cut cap. And it's like, oh, they can't possibly reduce his snaps because they have Jordan no. Scarlett? Yeah, no I viable mean, they- runner. Brinson says that the depth behind Christian McCaffrey is sorely lacking. The investment in Will Greer was fine. You need to develop another potential quarterback. It's what the Patriots do behind Tom Brady. There's nothing wrong with it. But, I mean, like, what if you'd gone out and drafted Daryl Henderson instead of Will Greer, right? And you get a guy who has a similar skill set to Christian McCaffrey, can run between the tackles, a little bit undersized, better at catching passes. I mean, there would be no – it's dumb to take Christian McCaffrey out on third down because that's where he thrives. But, I mean, if you're going to talk about reducing his snaps and reducing his workload – 
go get another running back. Yeah. I'm not saying go trade for Melvin Gordon or anything, but you know, go get go go take a flyer on somebody in the third or fourth round that can complement Christian McCaffrey or that can do what Christian McCaffrey does. Despite the amount of snaps played and the number of touches that McCaffrey received in the game, Will Brinson says that not all those touches are created equally. I mean, Christian McCaffrey had uh, 29 touches on on Sunday against the Rams, and he had an incredible game. But he only had 19 rushes. And the, the, the analytics and the deep football nerd math shows that uh, not all touches are created equal, right? Uh, a carry in between the tackles is way more abusive to uh, a person's body in terms of you know what's going to pile up over the course of the season than a pass out to the flat. Brinson also gives the threshold that he believes McCaffrey needs to reach in order to be his best. Anybody running between the tackles is going to get beat up pretty bad. I think that's, especially in the red zone, I think that's why you saw Sean McVay not use Todd Gurley in the red zone and why Todd Gurley was you know, limited in terms of his snaps and his carries because they, they're worried about his arthritic knee. Uh, with McCaffrey, they do, you know, North Turner does a good job of using him so much in the passing game, you know, 11 targets versus 19 carries, that you're, you are balancing that, that out pretty well. So as long as McCaffrey, I don't think you... I would say that like 250 is probably the magic number for carries for him. Keep him under 250 or around 250, and you're not going to wear him out too much. You're listening to Stuff You Missed, the best of 99.9 The Fan. I'm your host, Dennis Cox. Joe Person of The Athletic was on with the David Glenn Show today, heard from noon to 3 here on The Fan, and he says despite the final score, Carolina did not look good in their game against the Rams. First off, you're right. I mean, sit here in the final tally and say, okay, you lost by a field goal by the, the reigning NFC champions. Okay, that's well and good. But they didn't. Somehow they managed to look not real good getting there. And and Cam was, was kind of at the top of that list, as you suggested, Dave. I mean, Person also tells DG that there's no excitement in the Carolina Panthers offense. Leave the productivity aside just for a second. It's, it's become a boring offense to watch. They're, you know, they're they're kind of dinking and dunking to McCaffrey. They're not, um, they're not stretching the field. They're not, you know, not taking any deep shots. And 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 Cam, at least in week one, did not run the ball. I, you know, no one has really said if that was a product of his foot injury. I don't think it would have been a shoulder uh, a right. surgery. Obviously, uh, I have to think that played into it some. Person also adds that Christian McCaffrey was the one who carried the load on Sunday. Thank goodness for Christian McCaffrey because they still managed to be fairly productive. But at some point, some point very soon, that box is going to get jammed up and stacked with defenders, and it's going to be all right, Cam. Here, here we go. We dare you to, to try to get get over the top on us, which is incredible that we're having this discussion when you think about where Cam was early in his career. Lauren Brownlow, WREL sports fan, was on with Adam and Joe this afternoon. Adam Gold asked Lauren if it's time for the Panthers to push the panic button. Maybe I, I'm really more annoyed than anything else. I mean, that's usually, that's my general state. Anno- yeah. So how is this any different than a normal like I think time like, in October? I, there was a part of me that felt like, okay, if Ron Rivera feels like his job is on the line, he's going to coach accordingly, and then maybe he will make some of those adjustments and this team will come out and look different. And just some of the stuff that's always bugged me about this team, whether it's personnel decisions, whether it's delay of games out of a timeout, mm-hmm. those Panthers bingo. You get that every week, seemingly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it, it happens every single week. It's just over and over and over again. And I, I was expecting things to be a little bit different, and they just weren't. Adam, Joe, and Lauren also discussed further how basic the offense was for Carolina. 
They were not trying to keep anything under wraps. They weren't worried about his foot. They weren't worried about the shoulder. He had full range to do whatever he wanted. Yeah. Why did he only have three on the stat sheet run attempts? Why was it that he didn't throw any deep balls when they have all these dynamic receivers that we theoretically are told that we have now? Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, etc. You got Christian McCaffrey. You got these weapons. Healthy Greg Olson. Why is it? That one third down play when they ran Samuel's short of the sticks. I'm just like... So well, why were they fell though? So why were they so <laughs> right, vanilla? He did fall. Why were they so vanilla in the grand scheme of things? That's what I don't understand, and it it, it it makes me think. It makes me think if his injury even was a factor, right? Brownlow says that the injuries to Cam Newton's foot as well as his past shoulder injuries are the only explanation as to why Carolina's offense looked the way it did. Because it's the only thing that makes sense to me is that the injuries were a factor. They wanted to be careful. They didn't want him to get hit. Whatever. So if that's the case, there's no like there's no point in playing half Cam Newton. You just, there's no point. If anything, if they had a functional backup, that might have been nice if you're worried about his health. Oh, but wait, we don't have that because we drafted Will Greer in the third freaking round and he's not close to ready. So we don't have a functional backup, so we can't do that. We have to play half Cam Newton, which is still better than the backups. That's the thing, way better. The three of them continue to talk about how the Carolina Panthers didn't do any of the things that they said they were going to do in the offseason. I'm not sure their offense was really the problem. I think there were plays to be made. First of all, that's what's almost more frustrating. Well, I think Camp Camp missed some throws, oh, yeah. he 100% right? 100% did. And that was to me that was the real reason they didn't capitalize on the opportunities the that thing they missed is, opportunities. The thing is though that this was a thing all offseason was like, okay, we got to get more deep balls, we got to get some rest for Christian McCaffrey, let's put Ian Thomas rest. incorporate him into the offense. None of those things happened. Was Ian Thomas on the field? Like four snaps apparently. Well, that's more of a problem right. than anything. By the <laughs> way, you you like Christian McCaffrey, though, right? Of course. All right. I just don't want him to die. I don't want us oh, to break he's him. he's fine. On the David Glenn Show, heard from noon to three here on The Fan, DG was talking about college football, and he says that the ACC consensus number one, obviously, is Clemson. And he says that Virginia is probably the second best team in the ACC, but he poses the question as who the third best team in the ACC is. And he says the third best team is probably here in the state of North Carolina, though it might be the Demon Deacons of Wake Forest. Who is the third best team in the league is intriguing in part because the right answer might be 2-0 Wake Forest. They played a good, dangerous Utah State team and beat them in a shootout at home to open the season. They went to Rice, a team they're supposed to beat convincingly, and they did beat them convincingly. They have a veteran quarterback in Jamie Newman who is somewhat quietly, because of headlines elsewhere, putting up great numbers. The guy doesn't lose as a starting quarterback. Remember, he took over late last year at Wake when Sam Hartman, their freshman starter at the time, got hurt. Jamie Newman's been doing nothing but win football games since then, often convincingly. David Glenn says that arguments can be made for North Carolina State. Who is that next best team in the ACC? It might be Wake. It might be Carolina. They play each other Friday. It might be NC State. I know they only beat ECU, and they only beat a Western Carolina team that had some of its best players suspended. So you don't learn much through two weeks. But the dominating fashion there and the back-to-back nine-win seasons suggests some promise. And we will learn. It's not as good a West Virginia team this week or this year, rather, as it would have been last year. Remember that game that got canceled? DG also talks about how impressed he was with Clemson's 24-10 win over Texas A&M. Dabo and Clemson beat on the scoreboard Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M 24-10. I watched that game DVR style because we were at Miami UNC, so I wasn't catching it live. The Tigers dominated Texas A&M. 
They were personally offended that the Aggies cut it close last year and then bragged about it in the offseason. Oh, we threw for 400-plus yards on the 15-0 national champion Clemson Tigers. That stuck like a crawl in the just a needle in there against Brent Venable's defense and those players played with the chip on their shoulder. Numbers-wise, it was a more convincing victory for Clemson over A&M than what 24-10 suggests. You're listening to Stuff You Missed, the best of 99.9 The Fan. I'm your host, Dennis Cox. Thanks once again for tuning in this evening. Joe Giglio of the News and Observer was on with Sports Channel 8, the radio show. He and Hayes Permar discussed the Mac Brown State Cup, which is an award to the best college football team in the state of North Carolina. And Joe Giglio clarifies a little bit how the name came about. Uh, did Mac Brown invent the State Cup after he had already won it, or did, was he talking about it before he had actually won it? Well, I've been waiting for you to point to the passer on this. I mean, I I listen to your segment driving to NC State practice, and I hear you talking about the background cup, and and there's no Lennon McCartney rights at all to Joe Gillio. So um, I'm glad you have me on to set the record straight here. Wait, so you Uh, invented it or something? I I was talking about I invented it. I invented it. What? Um, When Mac was here, when I was at NC State in 94, uh, 93 through 97, NC State lost every year to Mac. And that was right in the middle of Max's run of literally beating every team in the state for five straight years. Jillio also provides a little history of the plaque that Mac Brown had created. Back when I was covering Carolina under Bush Davis, the plaque was still downstairs in the Keenan Center. Nobody had really touched it since Mac left. And that was, I think, 2013 when I wrote, like, hey, we should do this because it should be a thing and it should be an homage to Mac since he did so well against in-state opponents. I had no idea that, you know, six years later that Mac would be back for round two. Sure. And not only that, but uh, Carolina and Wake Forest will be playing in a non-conference game this week. Uh, no, it, it'll be, a, it'll be a, but that still counts for a state championship. Non-conference, they're still in the same state. Jillio also discusses how he came up with the point system in determining the champion. I feel like the media rolled their eyes a little bit at Mac when he would talk about the state championship. But looking back on it now, was it a good idea? Yeah, I think so. Back in the day when they all played it, you know, back then you had the round robin within the ACC. Duke, State Carolina, uh, Wake, they all played each other every year. So it it was cleaner. Yeah. Um, You know, now it's just so hard to try to do it. And that's why I came up with the point system. But no, look, you have to play for something. You have to motivate your players. And it's funny because somebody had said to me on Twitter, well, Matt Brown never won an ACC title. And I'm thinking to myself, you realize, like, Florida State came into the league yeah, yeah. and just embarrassed yeah. everyone forever. Jillio also adds that it was a lot easier to determine a champion when all the teams in the state played each other. That's not really a standard. So, in that sense, Mac was giving his players actually something, in his mind, tangentially to play for. So, it was actually a pretty smart move. Um, again, it was a lot cleaner when everyone played each other. But, uh, yeah, I love it. I think uh, I love that Wake and Carolina finally decided to get together outside the league, too. And I really wish Duke and, and State would do the same. Any chance they will? Got 30 seconds. No, no. The, the schedule's already made through 2034 or whatever the heck it is. So, unfortunately, no. Darn. You're listening to Stuff You Missed, the best of 99.9 The Fan. I'm your host, Dennis Cox. On the David Glenn Show, heard from New to 3 here on The Fan, David Glenn gave his thoughts on Cam Newton's performance on Sunday against the Los Angeles Rams. And he says that he was definitely culpable for many of the mistakes that happened on the field. Cam Newton made two of the biggest, the five biggest errors in the entire game. At this stage of your career especially, you're in year nine in the NFL. 
It is not a little thing whether your swing pass out in the flat is thrown forward or not. Don't blame your receiver. Don't blame the play caller. It is your responsibility as a veteran NFL quarterback to throw the ball even if it is fractionally forward. It must be thrown forward. Otherwise, what's the risk? If it's a lateral, rather than being an incomplete pass, it is a fumble. It is a live ball. David Glenn also talks about some of the reasons why the offense struggled on Sunday. Is it game plan? Is it his health? Is it his decision-making? We're not sure of all that. Might it be a leftover from the injured foot in the preseason? We don't know that for sure either. But what did happen in that game where you end up losing by only three points? I would argue if you listed the five most important plays of the game, Cam Newton was the GOAT, and I don't mean greatest of all time. I mean the GOAT bad guy. The you screwed up and you're the goat in the aftermath as a result. David Glenn also adds that some of the mistakes that Cam Newton made, most notably the lateral pass that turned into a fumble, is a mistake that a veteran quarterback should not make. Against a great opponent that is well coached, that probably will come down to a single possession and in fact did 30 to 27, you can't deepen your own territory, make that throw a lateral and a fumble. Blame whoever you want to blame. Cam Newton is first on the list of who you have to blame for that lateral. Massive mental mistake. If a rookie did it, you might chalk it up to inexperience. The ninth-year guy who's been an MVP cannot and must not make that kind of throw, especially in the shadow of his own goalposts. So you're setting the Rams up there for an easy score in a game you lose by three points. David Glenn continues to share his thoughts on Cam Newton's play and that he makes his judgment solely off of Cam Newton's body of work as a player. I don't defend Cam against all criticism, and I don't praise him as if he's perfect. I follow the body of work. I follow where the evidence leads me. And the haters refuse to admit that he was the MVP and a 15-1 guy and when healthy took this franchise to the Super Bowl. And the defenders will not admit that he still makes dumb mistakes nine years into his career. Both of those things are true. I always roll my eyes at those who run to opposite corners and want to pretend that the world is just all black or all white or all crystal clear. No, the truth is usually somewhere in between, right? The same Cam Newton who threw that lateral, giving the Rams an easy score on that short field, threw by a linebacker reading his eyes as if he were a rookie, a, a, an interception in the fourth quarter with about six minutes to go. You've been listening to the Stuff You Missed Best of 99.9 The Fan Podcast with host Dennis Cox. Don't forget, there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sports Fan app. And you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and TuneIn. This podcast also airs every weeknight at 6.30 after Adam and Joe on 99.9 The Fan.